impacts in this day. I think we're going to do a great job. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Modern Man Podcast, where we connect men in pursuit of their potential. Join us as we embrace discomfort, cultivate community, and put wind in each other's sails. Now, if you're ready to take your personal and professional growth to the next level, be sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. And also, don't forget to check out the Noble Knights Mastermind Group, where you will find the support, accountability, and mentorship you need to achieve your goals. Join us and become a part of a community of like-minded men on a mission to improve themselves and elevate their capacity for life. I'm excited to get some wind in our sales from our guest, TEDx speaker, co-founder, and head coach of Enlifted, Mark England, joining us out of Virginia. Mark, thank you for being on, man. Ted, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. And um, I always make sure to give an opportunity for the guest in the audience to get acquainted without my interruptions or without me messing anything up. So I want to give you the floor really quick here at the beginning of the episode for you to address the audience yourself and say in your own words who you are, what you do. And we can kind of jump into the conversation today, but I always find some interesting tidbits when the guest has the uh, ability to take the floor. So please, it's yours, Mark. Yeah. Um, so before I got into the language game, personal development, professional development. I was an elementary school sports teacher. Mm-hmm. Got a degree in, in education. And um, yeah, I used to I used to teach little kids how to throw Frisbee and play dodgeball and, and take them swimming and and all the all the all the fun stuff. And so I come from an education background. And sometimes I call myself a teacher. Before I'm before before being a coach. I'm a teacher. Mm. And, and, and even before that, Ted, I'm going to take a page out of the great Alan Watts book. Okay. <laughs> before, before being a teacher, he said, before all else, I'm an entertainer. And I mm. found that very interesting. I found that very interesting. And I, I had to think about it for a little bit. And I've always enjoyed good storytelling. I'm from the south, uh, from from the Appalachian Mountains, and that's a there's a it's a uh, it's a national sport, telling good stories, right? Mm-hmm. And when it comes to getting your point across, everybody, when it comes to having good conversations, when it comes to having people want to and enjoy talking with you listening to you and being a good listener yourself because most of the time it's almost exclusive it goes it goes both ways show me somebody who can tell a good story and i'll show you somebody who's a good listener mm. and and um you know you want to you want to you want to be entertaining it's fun to be entertaining so so someday most most of the time i see myself as a teacher depending on the event I'll put on my entertainer's cap and that, yes, that's true. Yes, factually, I am one of the co-founders and I'm the head coach of Enlifted. So um, some numbers just to qualify me, fine. We'll, we'll, We'll say it that way. I've been researching, presenting, and teaching on the power of words and stories somewhere between full time and overtime the whole time for the past 16 years. Um, Yeah, this is my 357th podcast that I've gone on talking about one thing. And that's how our words and stories powerfully influence us for better and for worse. Uh, I've certified, I deliver all of the trainings for Enlifted. So I've certified over 350 level one students, 10 at a time. And those certifications are tough. They're not easy to get through um, for a variety of reasons. And yeah, been in a couple documentaries. I'm right at around 750 workshops, and it, I only bring that up um, for people to 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 go. Why why would I want to listen to this cat? Why 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 would you? Well, you know, because words and stories, uh, most people's language is working against them, and it's an education issue. It's definitely not an intelligence issue. It's definitely not a deserving what you deserve, what you don't deserve issue. It's an education issue because most people's 
education about their their language. And when I when I talk about language, everybody, I'm talking about our internal dialogue and our external dialogue. What we think, what we say, what we write. Most people's education about their language comes down to spelling, grammar, and regular and, and definitions. There's way more to it than that. Most people didn't have any classes. I didn't in high school. Did you, Ted, about how to nope. use your words to stay focused on what's important and keep the drama down and breathe and, and unlock your breathing? You want to talk about being a modern man? You want to talk about being someone who's competent and confident in the workplace and, and socializing and um, asking girls out on dates and giving professional presentations and, and just name the thing that you want to be good at. Show me somebody who's breathing poorly in any of those environments. And I'm going to show you somebody who feels like an amateur and feels like an imposter. Take any of the same thing and, and add in good breathing practices as in low and slow breathing, as in your breath is in your abdomen, parasympathetic nervous system response. Rest and digest, feed and breathe. Show me someone who breathes well while they're out on a date for the first time, and I'll show you somebody who's very likely going to get a second date. Show me somebody who's breathing well while they're in the middle of a middle of a sales call, and I'll show you someone who's likely going to make the sale. And just the list goes on. And I bring yeah. that up because. We're known as the language people. That's fantastic. It's great to be known for something. And we might as well be known as the language and the breathing people. And push to sh comes to shove, gun to head, it's about the breath. So I go on, I go on podcasts. I give workshops. We certify coaches on how to help people use their words and, and, and to create better stories, which is their mindset, in order to stay focused, keep the drama down, and unlock their breath and feel like a man instead of a, a an imposter, mm -hmm. like a little kid. Little little kids. That, that's that's how you you grow up and you're you you feel like you're not good enough. Breathing in your chest, that sucks. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, and a lot of guys that are listening right now probably resonate with this because we've talked about imposter syndrome. We've talked about crafting a new identity. How the old us needs to die for the newest to live, and and our words, our stories, how we talk to ourselves and present ourselves are all big. They're big factors of that. But really quick, you mentioned the breath. What makes the breath so important? What does it do to when we actually get to the point of words? Because imagine all our words are great. Our inner speak is great. But if our breath isn't there, something might be missing. So what makes the breath so important? It is, it is a characteristic of the victim mentality depending on where you're breathing. And it's also a characteristic of the architect mentality or the hero's mentality or, or the modern man mentality, whatever you want to describe the mindset, the story of um, someone becoming powerful. Mm. So the definition of the victim mentality, most people have never heard it much less wrote it, write, writing it down. And I, I highly in, recommend, invite everyone listening to this, if you got a pen and a piece of paper, grab it. And so here are the numbers, 30, 50, 80. We remember 30% of what we hear, 50% of what we write, 80% of what we teach. This is so important. And in my personal and professional opinion, it's somewhere between very hard and impossible to have a holistic contextual conversation about mindset without the definition of the victim mentality because that's the thing that people are coming up against and it is a with without the proper education of what it is and how to dismantle it it is it is a it is a profoundly dangerous enemy mm. So I'll do this twice. I'm going to say the definition of the victim mentality slow. I invite you to write it down. Then I'm going to do it again faster with some polish, with some context. The victim mentality is an acquired personality trait where a person tends to regard himself or herself as the victim of the negative actions of others 
even in the absence of clear evidence. The victim mentality depends on a habitual thought process and attributions. I took a pinch out of the middle. That's the verbatim definition. Most people have never heard. Here it is again, faster with some shine. The victim mentality is an acquired personality trait where a person tends, it's a tendency, everybody. Sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down, where a person tends to regard himself or herself as the victim of the negative actions of others. Even in the absence of clear evidence, the victim mentality depends, underline that word, on a habitual circle, that word, thought process and attributions. That second sentence is right between the eyes, right where it belongs. The victim mentality depends, as in it has to have Mm -hmm. a habitual, which accurately implies duration. This thing doesn't get scripted overnight. And addiction. The the victim mentality is the most pervasive addiction on the planet. Yeah. And attributions. What's an attribution? It's a characteristic. And the main characteristic that we focus on, um, primarily it's the words, how the words are put together, how, how the words create the stories. It's the breathing. Because when your breath is – if you're telling yourself a story, everybody, like let's just say use some words here. Um, she ruined my life. <laughs> She ruined my life. Look look at that. Two plus two equals four for me, for everybody. She ruined my life. That's going to create – I don't care how sick of it. I don't care how tired you are of feeling like a victim. You use those words. You're getting a victim, villain, mental imagery. She's in there. She's roasting your ass. You're on the receiving end of it. You just got to take it again even though you haven't seen her in a couple of years or whatever. Right, because you've got the story going. uh, It's the same story that you haven't. You probably, yeah, I say probably consciously. You probably haven't written that story down and 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 gotten a second and a third draft. More on that later. And so what that does, or um, uh, this woman came in. This was I don't know ten years ago. I've been coaching sixteen years full time. I've heard a lot of stories. This woman comes in and she sits down and she starts talking about how evil her husband is. And just the whole thing, and they've been divorced for four years and just all that stuff, and she had all the proof, all the evidence, that last half, that, that, that last part of the first sentence of the victim mentality, even in the absence of clear evidence. People will create evidence if, if they need to in order to sustain the victim mentality. It's the thief in the night, folks. And, and, and the sentence, as she kept talking, we had her write down some of the most intense stories that she had, and there was one sentence that held it all together. Here it is. He made me think we needed to get married. Mm. He made me think we needed to get married. And because he made her think they needed to get married, she was absolved from all the drama. She was the innocent victim in the whole thing, and he was the exclusive villain because that's what the victim mentality does. It creates it, it, it creates um, the halo and horns effect, right? Yeah. I'm the innocent one over here, and there's the person responsible for all the drama and problems. And um, it takes a – this work, there's no free lunch in this work, folks. Sometimes that pen feels like it weighs 500 pounds. And in order to get, and so what did I do? I, I handed her a pen and a piece of paper and, and had her write that sentence down. He made me think we needed to get married. And I had her say it a couple of times. So she's staring at that sentence, that spell, the definition of a spell. Webster's not mine. A word or a combination of words of great influence. That's what that is. That's what a spell is. <laughs> right? Nope. No magic pokes, potions, no puppy dog tails and cold. It's just it's a it's a combination of words that greatly influences us. That's what the definition is. And it goes both ways. They can be expansive spells, they can be constrictive spells. Okay. Man, I'm making a lot of progress is a combination of words that will greatly influence someone. That's a spell. Or nice. 
he made me think we needed to get married is a combination of words that greatly influenced her. She wrote it down and I, and I had her take out. So once she wrote it down, that brings up another important point. It's so much easier to change your story, folks, once the words are written down for a variety of reasons. The rate that the story goes is very important when it comes to changing our mindset. What's mindset? Glad you asked everybody. So um, there, there's a lot of people talking about mindset. That's fantastic. Let's keep doing it. And I dare you to ask people what it is. Yeah. What do you mean? Mindset. Yeah. What is it? Oh, well, I mean, it's your, it's, it's your mindset. You know, you got to be the thing. And it's, uh, the, 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 no, no, oh, no. I got to change it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They'll tell you what you need to do, but what is it? What is it? And then how? Lucky us here at Enlifted, we have a simple definition of mindset. It's the story you tell yourself. That's what your mindset is, folks. It's the story you tell yourself to yourself about what you can do and what you can't do and what is possible and what is poss isn't possible and what you do deserve and what you don't deserve. And all of that story is uh, more or less opinions. You're not going to find nothing ever works out for me on the periodic table of elements. These are not facts. These are not units of measurement. Okay. These are, these are opinions and these are ideas. And a lot of times they're coming from stories that got scripted way back in our childhood and those things haven't been written down. And so the fastest way to think about your thinking, shout out to Alan Watts again. He said, when we learn to think about our thinking, we become alive in a new way. The, look at the words. The fastest way to slow down your story is to write down the words and stare at them. Do not allow yourself to believe them, even though it can be extremely seductive. Yeah. And, and anyway, so this woman writes, he made me think we needed to get married. And I had her scratch out that first word and put in I. Oh, boy, she didn't like that. Part of her didn't like that. Let me let me give her the credit. Part of her did not like that, Ted, at all, because that was the part of her that wanted to be, well, like I've already said, absolved from any responsibility in all that drama. And there was plenty of it. Families got involved, and, and she just – she wanted to be the innocent victim because she was addicted to sympathy. She was addicted to sympathy, and that's, that's a lot of things. One of them, it's – at the end of the day, it's sad because um, one of the that, – that, that'll get in the way of you know, going out, creating a, a, a good life and you know, um, having great friends and you know, angling your way to get people's, you know, oh, you poor thing. Not to take us on a tangent, but what other things keep people in the victim men mentality? Because, I mean, I was going to follow up with the question, but you tackled it perfect. Addicted to sympathy. Yeah. That exactly was my question. What is it that makes the victim mentality feel so good? That victim mindset, the story we tell ourselves, feels so good outside of maybe uh, having that sympathy. Um, other other perks, and I am read hear that with me being um, – sarcastic of um sitting at the gossip table and having a peer group that's you know it's called it's called trauma bonding and what happens before trauma bonding it's called drama bonding that's why if you're coaching the last thing you want to do is believe your client's story that's the last thing you want to do because if you do a half decent job they're not going to believe the story that they just started with in half an hour so why should i believe it now it sounds a little cold at first, but once you think about it, it makes sense. Do not believe your client's story of ouch and pain and sting and woe. Observe your client's story. So when you believe it, you get sucked into it. It's called drama bonding, and drama bonding leads to imposter syndrome in the coaching space because when, when clients drama bond with their clients, they slow down the transformation.
And when the transformation is slowed down, that slows down the results. And the, one of the fastest ways for a coach to tank their to, to empty their gas tank in a in the bad way when it comes to their the clients they're working with is for them not to get results. A list a, a, a roster of stuck clients will drain a coach so quick, and then right around the corner, the imposter syndrome is is waiting to jump out from behind the dumpster and mug you and say stuff like, "Oh, you were never you were never going to be any good at this anyway." You know who? Why are these people paying for you? You can't do this. You know, you're not good enough for this. You should just throw in the towel. And that's and that's one of the things that tanks more coaches than anything. No, it's not one of it's the thing. The number one thing that tanks coaches careers is the imposter syndrome. We got we talk about this at length. And so peer group is a huge part of why. And we're not talking about the person that's sending you the Hallmark card. Um, you know, get better soon. We're talking about the people that like you with your problems, that want you to have your problems, because then y'all can get together and talk about the problems. And your problems reinforce their problems as being true and accurate. And now look at us. We're all, uh, um, it's the Victim Olympics. There are, yeah. and there, there are certain people <laughs> out there that are that are pushing this. There are certain there are mega industries that are built off of the back of in the individual and collective victim mentality from humans, and that's not fun. It's just it's just dork. It's just a bunch of dorks, dudes. Revenge of the Nerds. They made four. Ted, they made four <laughs> movies. Revenge of the Nerds, trying to warn us about this thing. Revenge of the Nerds. Revenge of the Nerds in Paradise, Nerds in Love, and The Next Generation. I looked it up. Those are the four movies, the four Revenge of the Nerds movies. And there, there are people out there that just want you to think you're – There's all – yeah, because then, then they can keep you scared and they can sell you stuff. Exactly. I was going to mention it. it might be a good sign then for some of our listeners where – and no animosity or love lost towards some of the older friends that I might've lost touch with, but as someone who moved away from home, chasing their dreams, their life and building things, you ever connect with someone you haven't spoken to for a while and find that you don't have as many things to talk about. And yep. the reality is they might still be talking about their problems while you're talking about their successes and you just, you don't relate anymore. And I think some of our, our listeners might find themselves in that regard because without the problems and without that victimhood, they no longer have the bonding going on where they could sit down with their old group and talk about what's wrong when they're focused on what's right. It gets a little harder with that old group. Yeah, yeah. Walk, in, walk into your same old gossip table peer group and start talking about the stuff that you're knocking out of the park and see how quickly <laughs> they want to change the conversation. See, see, gauge how excited they are for you that things are getting better, okay? And guess what? If they don't, you need to rethink that peer group. And mm -hmm. okay, I'm, um, yeah, fine. There's some awkwardness in that. There's some awkwardness on you know being on the path. Uh, and if you find yourself in that situation that Ted just described, you know that you, you, you know you get yourself out of these social circles for a little bit. And, you know, you, you're doing Ted's mastermind and listen to his podcast and making moves. Then, and then, you know, you, the, those people, they aren't as fun to be around because you can see what's at the core of their stories and things like that. And they're not excited about your transformation. And then, you know, you really don't have that many friends that you used to. That's a period of time. That's the doldrums. Things will pick up and see it as a damn good thing. See that as a very, very positive step on the path initially, because if you keep going, here, here's it. Start and keep going, folks. Step one, start. Step two, keep going. In the enlifted vernacular, it's decide and then thug it out. And yeah, there's going to be some awkwardness. There's going to be some loneliness. And if you keep going, you're you're going to you're going to surround yourself with different people because it just naturally happens. It just naturally happens. And so when I that just, what's it? Go ahead. I, I was going to reflect on that. I just had a conversation via text earlier today about that and the patients dealing with the isolation, feeling lonely. That's why they say entrepreneurship, self-development. It's it's a lonely road at first uh, right. be, because the, the immediate surroundings aren't there yet. 
And the, the question posed to me was, well, how do you resolve that? And I just said one word. I said, endure, just endure. Yes, he's thousand percent correct. It's a gut check. What, and, and what, what dummy said this thing was going to be easy from the start? You know, what person said, hell yeah, you're going to change your life and it's going to be rainbows and butterflies from the first page of the first self-development book you read. No, it's actually going to get worse because you're going to realize you've got some stuff to clean up. Mm-hmm. And then you start go you go doing that, and your social network changes, and and the the if you keep going, you're going to get what you want. If you quit, you won't. So it's 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 a big boy conversation. It's a big boy conversation. And when she took out, and a lot of the conver- that conversation comes down to a, a, arguably the thing that makes or breaks people on the path is the story they tell themselves while they're on the path also known as their mindset. And if you put your words in a, together in a certain way, you're going to make this shit way harder. You're gonna, pardon me. You're going to make stuff way harder. Abracadabra, the ancients knew it. More on that in a second. And so when that woman took out he, the he, he made me think, and then put in I, I'm, I made me think? She said it like a question. It's called up talk. It went up at the end because it was such a radical departure from this story that she was heavily emotionally and socially invested in as being the victim of the circumstance. She didn't, oh, I didn't have anything to do with that marriage. It was all him. Are you serious? Really? But you know what? It had, like I said, it has nothing to do with intelligence. Smart people, way smarter than me, use those same words and they're going to convince themselves of that same reality. I made me think we needed to get married. And then, and then it just sits, you can see it going in there and, and the steam is starting to come out of her ears. And then finally she goes, watch, watch this. So to, to, to answer part of it, what she said about the breath, this is what happened. She let off some of that pressure. It came out in her breath. Good luck changing your own mind while your breath is trapped in your chest. Good luck changing your client's mind while their breath is trapped in their chest. It's called amygdala hijack. Look it up. And here's some of the components, the characteristics of breath trapped in the chest, also known as sympathetic nervous system response, also known as um, uh, being upregulated, upregulating the CNS. When your breath is trapped in the chest, you are fixated on something. Okay, you literally lose access to your peripheral vision, your creativity tanks and your ability to listen goes way down. That's why if you want to be a good coach, get your breath under control, as in get your breath low. We have a saying in the enlisted community, uh, good breathing equals good coaching because good breathing equals good listening and good listening equals good coaching. So good breathing equals good coaching. When you're working with your clients, Get your breath low and slow and keep it there and ask good questions. Get them to write down the answers and watch what happens. And so she, and then, and then so that came out of her and she goes, I did. I did make me think we needed to get married. You know, I was under, my parents were putting a lot of pressure on me. They wanted grandkids. And then so, so she started to take more responsibility in that situation because she used her words differently which gave her the ability to um, learn some lessons. Victims do not like learning lessons. And guess what? We've all got lessons to learn. And, um, and from there, she, was, she, just, she walked out of there and she looked, she looked 30 pounds lighter, 30 pounds of emotional baggage lighter and it wasn't easy no one ever no one's no one that knows what they're talking about is going to say the path is easy and you just you just need to grab your heart and go and like like lean over to the side no, that's that's a joke that's a total joke no this is this is this is why um this is this is this is big boy big girl stuff yeah. as in taking your words and showing yourself where you can improve Mm-hmm. What does it look like? The continuation of that. Whereas for so many of us, let's say someone has that victim mentality, that mindset, and they keep telling themselves a the story. I'm here because of X, fill in the blanks for anybody listening or watching. When they write it down 
take the responsibility, put it on themselves. Let go of that 30 pound of, of weight. But what does tomorrow look like? What does the next day look like? What is the continuation of the molding of the words, that narrative, that story look like in its implementation on a day in, day out basis for someone who's looking to not just take on that responsibility, but maybe even just change the complete trajectory of their lives? Yeah, what that looks like. Um, so there's 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 two main points to that conversation from yeah. from my perspective, from my perspective is first things first clean up the house clean up the house before you, you throw the party okay what and what is that what does that mean <clears throat> this is where the pen feels super heavy again is we need to clean out the 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 closets the stories of you know uh, uh, the stories of ouch and pain and sting and woe the 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 travesties the mishaps the failures Go get those stories and title them and write them out conversationally. Get the thing on paper to keep things super simple. There's a, there is a huge difference, everybody, between stories kept in your head and stories written out. And I'm not talking about normal journaling. This is very not that. It'll make more sense in a second. So stories kept in the head. Stories kept in the head, most people, which is where most people keep their stories of ouch and pain and sting and woe. People are tremendously underwritten, and I'm not talking about insurance. So story, a story kept in the head, let's say it was the divorce. So your parents, um, you knew something was up when they called you into the kitchen when you were nine and sat you down, and um, your seven-year-old sister's there, and your mom's crying, your dad is stoic as you usual and that's where they deliver the news that they're getting a divorce and that you're going to stay in the house with mom and dad's going to get an apartment across town you'll see him every other weekend and um your sister is is crying and you don't know what to do and 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 then you know the and then at that moment you decide well i need to be responsible now because i'm the man of the house and then you 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 take on the emotional status of everybody around you and you wonder why you're about to blow a fuse every time you wake up and walk out the door. And, um, and so you go get those stories, the ones of magnitude, and you title them and write them out conversationally as in what happened, full sentences, get it on paper, because then the, here's the difference. That story kept in the head, any story of ouch and pain and sting and woe, swirls. It's seemingly infinite. Where does it start? Where does it stop? There's the worst part again, ouch. Stories kept in the head take up a tremendous amount of mental real estate. They're extremely hard to process. Stories kept in the head, they are subjective. The story is still in you, still in your client. Your client is still in the story. You're still in the story. They get a load of this. Time does not apply to the emotional body, everybody. That's why you can go into those stories and you feel like that same feeling when you were nine. Where the mental and emotional intelligences, those work, those are two very different mechanisms. A story kept in the head traps the breath in the chest creates excess rigidity in the body, pictures are up close and scary. Once a story is titled and written out, it's now externalized, and it's now very much more organized than the stories that are kept in the head. There's the first word, there's the last word, there's all the words in between, and then you can, you can, you can put it through a process of um, getting the breath in there. If we have time, I'm very happy to elaborate on that. And so there's the there's the cleanup, yeah. Okay, and then there's the maintenance. And here's um, so there's three. If we remember the definition of the victim mentality, okay, the victim mentality depends on a habitual thought process and mm -hmm. attribution. So it depends has to have a habitual thought process, habitual okay. thoughts. So what are the habitual thoughts? When it comes to the three main pillars of language patterns that script the victim mentality, the place to start is called soft talk. Okay? Soft talk. What's that? Glad you asked. Probably. If you've got a pen, everybody, write this down. 
Mm-hmm. Write these words down. Probably, perhaps, feels like, guess, maybe, could, might, possibly, sort of, kind of, potentially, hopefully, try, one day, should, almost like. Those, those words, I guarantee you they're in your language, and I guarantee you they're causing problems as in they're creating excess indecision and anxiety. Um, and uh, if you use those words for long enough, oh boy, you're going to turn yourself into a joke in your own mind. Um, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, go go ask, a, go, out, go, out, go, out, go out there and find a, an attractive female and say, um, do you think you might want to maybe one day go out on a date with me perhaps? Let me know how it goes. Your close rate is going to be a big fat goose egg okay i i've done that didn't go so well and well right because we didn't learn this stuff and so when you learn to take these words out you become more confident you become more um you sound different because you're going to breathe better Mm -hmm. the energy is going to change you're going to be more directed and focused all of those things are attractive those are attractive qualities, and people will respond differently to you. And if you keep playing that game, you'll turn the volume down on the imposter syndrome and feel like you belong. You know, many, you know how many guys have done some real dumb shit because they didn't feel like they belonged? I'm talking about the uh, ultimate, I'm talking about I'm talking about the ultimate dumb shit. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> that is sad, and it's also something that can be fixed. Yeah, trying to fit in. Um, really, really quick, I want to mention, you said something about the the power, not just the power of words, but abracadabra. More yep. on that later as, as we're coming up on the end of the podcast here with a few minutes left. What is the power of abracadabra? I noticed it's all in your, your email tags. And of course, I, I went through your, um, your core language upgrade course, which was fantastic, by the way. Anybody listening? Thank you. Soft Talk got the introduction into Soft Talk and uh, me and Kyle now laugh whenever we we identify soft talk, which is great to at least be aware of it and be conscious of it in our day to day. But um, abracadabra, what's the magic in that? I was living down in um, yeah. So <laughs> talk about not having a peer group and feeling lonely on the path. I I lived that. I lived in Thailand for a decade. Still sounds weird to say. I moved over there in 2002. I was a, a MMA fighter in the late 90s. I was doing well in the regional scene. Moved over there. I was going to be over there for a year, polish up my kickboxing skills and go pro. Uh, that didn't happen. I had my second knee surgery. Um, darkness descended. I turned, I turned myself into a grown-ass man baby about the whole thing. And um, that, that's what got me on the path of, of starting to think about my thinking long story short. And so um, I also lived in Ecuador for a year and a half and I was out to lunch with some friends and um, this guy knew what I was into. And he goes, Hey, Mark, you know what abracadabra means? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Magic. And he goes, no. Abra, he goes, it's way cooler than that. And look this up, everybody. He goes, abracadabra is Aramaic, which is an ancient language. It's the language the original Old Testament was written in. It's a language that's still spoken in some parts of the Middle East today uh and it translates to with my word i create or with my word i influence and the teachers of the day they would they would triangulate it and wear it around their neck to remind them of the power and the mechanism of the spoken word because they knew if they got it wrong things were going to be harder than they needed to be and if they got it right as it because the words the, the definition of sin is to miss the mark they knew if they got their language working against them you know she, she, she never lets me live my life. I never get to do what I want to do. The, 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 they, they are driving me nuts. Not, not I'm driving me nuts. I'm not, I'm not responsible for my emotions. And, and so, and, and then, yeah. And so, yeah, that's what, that's what abracadabra means, everybody. Which it's, it's one of the ultimate perspectives, tools, hacks when it comes to personal and professional development is to think about your thinking and get it working for you. And I, and, and, and another thing I know why I know this stuff works 
is because like I said, in 2002, when my fight career ended and I used it as the final piece of damning evidence in a, in a case I was secretly making against myself that I was a loser and doomed to fail and not good enough, that happened. And I took that, that and, and turned it into the end of the world. Fast forward uh, 2018 and I go to a jujitsu school with a buddy of mine and we go in and it's the 10th planet jujitsu. If anybody knows what that is, it's, it's very, it's a very interesting culture. They smoke a ton of weed and think of innovate new and different ways to, to, to twist people's body parts off. Like, it's like these, yeah, very interesting. These stoner hippies that, that are really good. They're really good. And my <laughs> jujitsu, my jujitsu, it, it's, it needs to be in a museum tent. And, and so I go in there and we take a couple of classes and I stay after and I roll with uh, one of their better guys. He puts me in something. I, I, I'm not sure what it is. I think I can get out, trying to get out, trying to get out, trying to get out. And my arm rips out of socket. And yeah, exactly. There's one thing that makes that Jurassic Park, someone getting chewed up noise um, in, uh, <laughs> in a jujitsu gym and it's stuff tearing. And so anyway, he lets go of my arm and I look at my elbow and I look at him and I look at my elbow and I look at him and I go to my calendar. I go to my calendar and I'm like, <laughs> okay, yeah, that's exactly right. I go to my calendar. Um, and I go, okay, yeah, that uh, that kettlebell certification in six weeks, that's not going to happen because I know I've done something. And, you know, we've got that booth at Paleo Effects, this health and fitness conference that's coming up in about four weeks. And, you know, uh, Pascal's there. She she can help me set the whole thing up. And I really only need one arm to do that. I'll just be, you know, writing things down and shaking people. So that, that that's cool. And then I turned to my buddy and I was like, yo, dude, we need to leave because – uh, I'm on the insurance and and I don't know what this is, what's going to about to happen with my arm. And so we walk out the door and my arm's flopping around mm. and I'm talking, uh, I'm busy talking to him about a girl I think's hot because I've got the mental real. I'm like, okay, it's done. Whatever is done is done. Okay. And, and um, I, I was breathing well the whole time. I kept my story manicured, under control. And I mean, I, I definitely, it's, you, you know what a Tommy John is? It's like, mm -hmm. I, had a, I, had a, I had to have surgery. It's, where, it's cute. It's where they yeah. go in and they, they, they take stuff, important things out of your hamstring and then lace your elbow back up together. No, I mean, my arm, my elbow exploded. And, um, and it was no big deal. It was never a big deal. It was never a big deal because I was able to, put my words together in a certain way to keep it small and, 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 and yeah, just something that happened as opposed to the end of the world. And that's man shit right there. That's man shit right there. Yeah. Face it. This is the reality. As I mentioned, this is the reality. Correct. This is now we need to move forward. In it. That's just kind of what it is. So you looked at your arm, you said not making X, Y, and Z. I can still do B and A, let's make an appointment and figure out how bad this is. Cause like you mentioned, you didn't know what was going on yet. So why tell that story when it's not even done? Exactly. Fantastic. It's, it's, <laughs> and you know what? It's even better than fantastic. It's a skill. It's a skill that anyone can use. Um, uh, that anyone can learn as far as learning more about, just using you're using your words better. If if you change your words, you're going to change your stories. And if you change your stories, you're going to change your mindset because that's what your mindset is. It's a bunch of stories, and it's those stories are made of words. Wow, this is so complicated. I need a PhD to to, to understand it. I'm kidding. Yeah. It's not. It's not. <laughs> that reminds me of I mean, some of the worst news I ever received in my life. Um uh, at the time seemed like the worst news, but I had a big investment that fell through $33,000 that I was on the hook for money's not coming back. I sat down, got that information. And I said, okay. And I just remember my, my buddy who I also did the investment with was just like, Ted, you're very calm about this. Like you're not freaking out or anything. And I simply just told him, I said, well, what's freaking out going to do? Like what's done is done. Like, 
I don't know what me getting up and all ah is going to change. I, <laughs> it, it, I just, I said, I don't know how that's going to help the current situation. So I just started focusing on what to do next. And, and when it comes to what to do next, I want to make sure, Mark, that our audience and, and those listening can get more from you. They can learn how to kind of diminish. See, I even caught myself right there. They can learn how to diminish that soft talk, <laughs> get rid of it so it's no longer in their vocabulary, but also change the stories that they're telling themselves in order to change the trajectory of their lives. So, Mark, how can people get in touch with you, find out the work that you're doing and get plugged in with and lifted in and some of the courses that you provide and how folks can take control of their lives and even for the coaches listening as well? Certifications is the website for the certifications, www.enlifted.me. That's all the info about them. I deliver all of our trainings. Our trainings are platinum standard. They're also very entertaining. And you walk out of there with, a, with a, 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 an Excalibur level coaching skill set, the identity to help support you putting your services out there. And then our community is uh, Kyle Langan. We got a 350. It's actually it'll be 370 on next Tuesday. Uh, the community is awesome too. We uh, and then um, at Enlifted Coaches, give us a follow there. And if you at, get on get on IG at Enlifted Coaches, send us a message. Hey, you got a soft talk challenge for me? We'll reply with a with a magic link, a seven day free, only if you're into free, cool, awesome shit. Seven day soft talk challenge that'll help you get the thinks and the maybes and the mites and the sort ofs and all that junk out of your language. And when that happens, you'll like it. Cool stuff happens when that happens. I do like it, especially whenever me and Kyle talk about, okay, we're gonna see you. And we're very direct and and clear on how we negotiate or communicate with each other, which which is fantastic. And I'll have the links in the show notes as well for folks to open that up and get access to uh, to to the socials and to the website for certifications as well. Last question, Mark. Usually it's the the, the heaviest one, um, and we've we've covered a lot on the podcast. But what's something that has happened uh, to you in your life, or something that you've seen that shapes the way you view the world as a man? That's a great question. Something that I've seen that shapes how I see the world. Well, my dad's in a, he's using a, a, a walker right now. And he's been, he was, he was a beast. Uh, a very good football player. Big, strong, fast. Um, owned his own business for 42 years. The, the, the problem stopped with him. He was a problem solving machine rock and um he was he's he's been using a he's just his, his health is declining and he was he was using a he was using his his walker and um just got back from the doctor and got some bad news and more bad news and stuff like that and and uh and he got out and he uh he's walking 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 he stops he starts slouching down i mean this is the first thing that comes to my mind starts slouching down and i'm like i'm I'm dad dad and he just he, he snaps at me like that okay and i flinch and he goes gotcha <laughs> <laughs> and, and and then yeah he's got his sense of humor he's got his sense of humor my business partner said he goes as 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 um conditions deteriorate or if conditions deteriorate my humor gets better the, the, the use better words, unlock your breath, your face is going to change. You're going to smile more when you're breathing better. You're going to be more funny. You're going to laugh more. Listen, planet Earth is not the place to be without a good smile and a good sense of humor. It's like people that say, oh, I don't like surprises. Well, then you pick the wrong place to come to because Earth is just nothing but surprises. Surprise. You wake up every day. It's a surprise. It's, it's like 200 surprises every single day. And then there's plenty of stuff to laugh at, uh, including ourselves. And people like being around people like that. So whatever happens, look, look for the funny because it's there. 
I love it. I love it. Always finding that silver lining, something to laugh about. And uh, hey, I'll keep working on my breath because I got the smile down. As If you ask anybody else, they tell you the smile is one of the best features that I have. So oh, I'm going to smiling. And- last smile, man. And go go, go to a Brandon Powell breathwork session in, yeah. uh, in, in Charlotte. He's right. He's dojo body mind. He's in Charlotte. I've, I've known that cat 30 years, level three Wim Hof instructor. He's like two blocks away from me, man. I have no excuse. And Seriously. that's me directly using, not using soft talk. I have no excuse. You want me to put you in touch with him? Please, yes. We'll, we'll have to do that offline. Yeah. And that, that actually will happen. And hey, stay, stay tuned too for the audience. Might have a Brandon Powell podcast guest here at some point in the future. But for this one, Mark, this has been nothing short of amazing. A lot of value and a lot of folks are going to have to change the way that they they speak to themselves after this. So I just wanted to say thank you for taking the time and, and sharing the stories, your expertise, and your 16-plus years of research and work with us here uh, on, the, on the show. Thank you, Ted. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening, everybody. Absolutely. Really quick, I'm going to wrap up with uh, some of the gems you left along the way. I know a lot of folks are working out. They're doing some activities. If you didn't have the pen and paper, make sure you rewind, go back, and listen again to follow the practices. But a good storyteller, also is a good listener. Are you a good listener? Then you are more likely to be a good storyteller. And as Mark identified before, an entertainer, a teacher, and a coach. An entertainer, teacher, and a coach. And it depends on the day, but it could be all three. But again, starting with that foundation. And then our language is working against us. Too many people are, are, are in the game, but they're, they're playing on all Madden. Or they're, they're, they're playing with their controller not plugged in. Because they're letting language play against them. I think Mark liked that example. Uh, get good at breathing. The better you are with your breathing, the better you are with your words, the better you are with your words, the better you are with the stories you tell yourself, which will then play into the actions that you take and the life that you end up having. Victim mentality. The numbers he gave, 30, 50, 80. 30% of what you hear, you retain. 50% of what you write, you retain. 80% of what you teach, you retain. Too many of us are teaching the victim mentality to ourselves and others. And then writing down that definition, understanding the habitual nature and what is required for that victim mentality to set in. And there's no free lunch in the game, no free lunch. Changing your mindset's gonna take work. Writing out your story, taking the pen, which can be heavy at times, and writing out your story, taking it out of your head so you can clean up and get away from trauma bonding and the other things that keep us locked into the victim mentality. Start and keep going, or as I think uh, Mark mentioned, it says decide. And uh, what was it? You said decide and rock on or? Thug it out. And thug it out. Thug it out. And, of course, don't forget, as you clean up the house, remember the power of words. Abracadabra. With your words, you create or you influence. Thanks again for making it to the end, guys. Hopefully you got value from this. I know you got value from this. So do us a favor. Hit that like and subscribe button. Also share this with a friend that you know also will find this impactful and helpful. And be sure to leave us a rating so you can let us know how we're doing because that's the only way we improve. As we always say at the end of the episode, though, guys, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain. But you can't get the pleasure without first the pain. Let's grow. Let's get past the day. I think we're gonna do a great job.